Oh shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip. Two sides of a coin. I'm going to choose a player prop for the Thursday night football game, which is tonight. Which means you're hearing this Friday morning, September 24th, hopefully. Tarek and Trey are going to dispute each side. So, uh, John, do you have the coin? I know you were looking for it. I, I have one, and I found one from Australia. It's got Elizabeth II on the heads, and it's got 12 sides. Do you know what you call a coin with 12 sides? I What's that don't. shape called, Mitch? It's a it's a dodecagon. Come on, Mitch. That's, Come a, on that's a typical Mitch uh, coin toss with 12 sides. That's right. <laughs> that's why I picked it. Okay, so Trey, I'm going to have to have you choose which side you want then. Tails. Here it goes. Oh, it is tails. Good job, Trey. Look at that. There he had one in 12 shots and he got it right. That's fantastic, <laughs> man. That is Give me the ball. Let's do it. That is impressive. All right. So All right. tonight we got who we got the we got the Panthers and we got the Texans. Uh so let's go DJ Moore. Uh we got 67.5 yards receiving. Ooh, wow. Over or under Trey, what you got? Over. DJ Moore lit it up last week. He actually scored a touchdown, which, uh, you know, there was debate about whether or not he was allowed to do that as a professional. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, the the refs called it uh, a good score all the same. And uh, yeah, you know, uh, Sam Darnold knows how to get it to his playmakers, apparently. Uh, so that's new. I think DJ Moore smashes this over. He's probably got 100 yards, so I'll definitely take 67 and a half. Yeah. All right. Well, Tarek, people are going to be listening. They're going to be listening to you uh, being being the prophet of why DJ Moore did not hit 67.5 last night's game. Well, I guess I'm taking the under, which means outside of a DJ Moore injury, uh, I'm projecting the Terrace Marshall breakout tonight. Ooh. That's right. I'm calling it. Terrace Marshall is going to soak up all the yards. He's going to get a touchdown. He's going to find the end zone. He's had a few really good catches um, and a lot of really near misses. I think it's a matter of when, not if for Terrace Marshall. So why not tonight? And, you know, tomorrow when you listen to this episode, you'll hear why I'm wrong. <laughs> hey, I don't hate it, man. I don't hate the Terrace Marshall breakout call. Mm. If it's going to happen any don't. week, it might as well be against the Texans. Why not? John, you taking Davis Mills? You know what? I think that uh, I think that the Panthers are going to realize the Texans are really bad, and all they got to do is run the ball a hundred times. CMC might end up with a hundred yards receiving tonight, but uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't think they're going to have to do too much throwing tonight. So we'll see. But I'm I'm taking the under. Ooh, wow. Spicy. Okay. Does anybody know the spread on this game? Yeah, I I do actually. It is the Texans plus seven and a half. Okay. Okay. You know, I think the tech, I mean, now they have Davis Mills, which is kind of a shame because Tyrod was keeping that, that team afloat. They actually looked like somewhat of a professional outfit over the first two weeks. Um, so, hey, I was the guy saying, you know, maybe Davis Mills could be something uh, in the NFL. I guess we're going to find out now. Uh, and no way. We'll I got the, I got the Panthers by like, let's call it 15, a, a cool 15. Okay. <laughs> cool. Yeah. You're gonna get you're gonna give Vegas an extra seven and a half on that. No, I'm taking it. I'm taking it right at fifteen. A cool fifteen. <laughs> I like it, Mitch. Yeah, double digits. <laughs> What 
What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty Podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Benchuya. With me, per usual, John Alexander, Trey Cryan, and Mitch Yates. Just watched some week two games over the weekend so we are excited to recap that john how's it going man you know what i took the week off because i was watching so much college football last week i was gonna highlight cg cj verdell but he's dead to me tonight now so i'm gonna go ahead and talk about matt corral for a second here qb ole miss 23 for 31 for 335 yards and three touchdowns against tulane okay ole miss sec team He's got nearly 1,000 yards passing after three games. That's nine touchdowns and no interceptions with a QBR of just under 90 on the season. QB1 for 2020 is like an open question right now, and a guy like Matt Corral could really step into that conversation. Their next game's on October 2nd against Alabama. If he continues these stellar performances in SEC play, we're talking about a top five pick and maybe even the QB1 for 2022. So keep your eye on on Matt Corral. He's had a very impressive start of the season. Yeah, and certainly a little bit of a disappointing start for both uh, Sam Howell out of UNC and Spencer Rattler out of Oklahoma. So that QB1 spot in 2022, definitely an open question like John said. Mitch, how's it going, man? Pretty great, man. I got to see Jordan Curley's first collegiate touchdown at SMU. Let's Fantastic. go. I know you guys saw it too. Great diving for the pylon touchdown, of course, because why not do it that way for your first tutty? Uh, congrats, bro. Love it. Looked amazing. Uh, good stuff. Can't wait. TCU this weekend. SMU, TCU. It's going to be a great game. Dallas versus Fort Worth. That should be fun. Trey, what's going on, man? Good, good. Uh, I don't know if uh, the listeners know this, but I was uh, a COVID positive the, uh, the past two weeks, but... Uh, you know, hey, I'm out of quarantine now and I'm back to uh, full health. So uh, hopefully that means the uh, the voice is uh, just as sexy as it was when I was a little bit uh, diminished the last couple of weeks. <laughs> Fully vaccinated and COVID positive. So everybody mask up. Yeah, I'm a I'm a breakthrough. That's what you want in your dynasty league. <laughs> <laughs> Trey's a third year breakout. Ooh. 18 months in, man. It's a, honestly, it's a little bit embarrassing. It, you know, it caught up to me 18 months later, but hey, you know, such is life. Hey, late bloomer. All good, man. <laughs> but hey, we are glad to hear that you were feeling better, that you're out of quarantine, that you are safely drinking a New England IPA in your home of Boston, Massachusetts. Cheers. This week on The Long Game, we uh, are going to change it up a little bit and we're going to just go through the week two games one by one and talk about the most important point or maybe a point or two when it comes to Dynasty. So what you should be thinking about and reacting to from each game in week two in regards to your Dynasty League. So naturally, we will start with Thursday Night Football last week, and that was the Giants at Washington. Uh, Washington ended up winning 30-29. to Mitch, what are you taking from this game? Well, let's just forget about the way that that game ended or should have ended or any of that. Uh, this might be in our distant memory anyways. So let's just talk about Danny Dimes and is he good? And now I'm not like doing the philosophical, is he good at football? Like, hey, is Joe Flacco elite? Like, we're not doing that. I'm asking if he's good for fantasy football. 
good for your fantasy football team? And so far, the answer is kind of like he's definitely good for Danny Dimes. Like he looks way better than any of us on the show have at least said in the preseason that we thought he would be. He's mm-hmm. I, I think he's quarterback. uh what number five, five right now qb5 yeah qb5 yeah. QB in two weeks and that that's pretty great but when you look into that so he racked up 95 yards on nine rushes last game and that was with a huge run getting called back and that was a huge like 40 yard touchdown run or something like that but what's concerning to me is that he has 69 completions which is nice but he only has very nice he only has two touchdowns so right now it looks kind of like a two-man band. Him, Sterling Shepard, and then like you got Kenny Galladay somewhere over there, and then you're sprinkling in Saquon 13, 15 touches a game. So right now, I don't know. Sterling Shepard, I'm trying to get out here, I think. I think I'm trying to put him up on the trade block because when Saquon starts getting back into the mix, I see Danny Dimes maybe going back into his normal self, which is like a lower tier QB two. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? Oh, just real quick here. Uh, he's actually 44 completions out of 69 attempts. Just wanted to clarify that. Go. 69 throws, there you which go. is yep. exceedingly nice. Yeah. Sorry. So I, I, I read 69. I stopped reading. I apologize. Nice save, John. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Jones, he has been keeping the ball on a lot of read options. Uh, and Despite Saquon Barkley not being his full self over the first two weeks, I think defenses are still biting very hard on those Saquon Barkley read options and he's taking advantage. And yeah, he he's a lot faster than he looks. Um, So I think on our NFC East uh, like preview back a couple months ago, I did say that if Daniel Jones gets up into the higher QB two or even QB one conversation, it's going to be because his ability to run and his ability to be an athlete on the field. Um, But I tend to agree with you here, Mitch, that he's he's going to go back to being, you know, Danny double nickels at some point. And like, you know, his value is probably going to even out. I don't expect him to finish as like a top eight QB this year. And I don't value him anywhere near there for dynasty. He's more like QB 26, 27 for me. I guess where I'm at here is he's up about as high as his worth could possibly be. I am trying to get out as quickly as possible because I don't expect this to keep up. Saquon was on a short week. His touches looked minimal, but we saw yeah. that we saw that juice, right? We saw that burst on that run on the outside. He still got it. So maybe this long week of rest, maybe we get a little bit more Saquon, maybe a little bit less rushing from Daniel Jones. Yeah. Maybe a I little agree. bit more from Kenny Galladay and things just start to mellow out, which is maybe good for football, but not great for fantasy. Okay. All right, so the next game that we're gonna talk about was the Bengals at the Bears in Chicago. Uh, the Bears won this 20 to 17, but in a close one. Trey, what is your takeaway from this game? Yeah, our listeners might remember that this was uh, my pick last week in our uh, our parlay at halftime. And uh, unfortunately, I got this one wrong. So I uh, guess that makes me one and one on the season. But um, I mean, definitely what I did not see happening was the Bengals offense laying a total goose egg through three and a half quarters. So uh, the offense definitely struggled at times, which was concerning, but I love the usage that Joe Mixon is getting right now. 
And I think what we're looking at right now is the beginning of Joe Mixon's top five running back season that has been rumored as going to happen like for the last three years. So I think now is finally the year. I think it's finally happening. Uh, I mean, through the first two weeks, Mixon is putting up an 11% target share, which is uh, right at about what I expected going into the year. Uh, what I didn't really expect was the 80 to 90% of the running back carries and that true workhorse, workhorse status that he's getting. So, I mean, yeah, Cincinnati kind of got killed by Chicago through the first part of this game. They made up some points in garbage time. Uh, I think this offense is going to turn it around. I think the touchdowns are going to come for Joe Mixon. So I actually moved him up into my top 10 for Dynasty. And I've kind of got him right in the same range as guys like Najee Harris and Derrick Henry. And I think you could probably trade either of those guys for Joe Mixon and get a very high draft pick added in in return for uh, what you know your other league mate might view as a more stable or predictable player. I think Mixon gives you similar production to those type of guys over the rest of the season. I, I'm I'm a little hurt here, Trey. I thought I was the Mixon truther, and you've got him one spot ahead of me now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, I, I just love the workload that he's getting. He's he's getting like tons and tons of volume. Uh, this is similar to, I think, what we expected when uh, Zach Taylor came in and tried running like the Rams system in Cincinnati. Like this is that Todd Gurley usage from two or three years ago, right? So um, 80, 90% of the carries, 11% target share. That's just a ton of volume for a, a guy that we know is talented and just hasn't put it together because of injuries and you know other issues around him over the past couple seasons. And guys like me are going to continue to fade them, and maybe that's a way that you can get in on your league mates because I know that like I'm still, despite all of this, not going to be even pursuing that. So if you're on Team Trey or John on this one, like, yeah, like it might have half the league thinking like me as well. Point of clarification on that: I am definitely uh, a team mixing for the rest of the season, but I think the latest Vegas odds had Zach Taylor the most likely coach to get fired next. And if that happens in a new system, who knows what's going to happen with Joe Mixon. But I, I'm I'm definitely with you there, Trey. I think he's got the talent. I expect him to ball out at least for the rest of this season. Yeah, and, and I don't know about Zach Taylor getting fired. I I mean, I would still vote Matt, Matt Nagy over uh, Zach Taylor any day of the week, even though I know uh, Chicago just won. And yeah, I think what Mitch is saying is that so many people have been burned by Mixon in the past that you do have this sort of... Uh, built up, you know, negative sentiment against the guy, uh, which is, I think, a market inefficiency. So I'm, I'm telling our listeners to go tap into it, uh, especially before he starts getting those touchdowns, which are going to come. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a little bit more of the kind of median perspective here. I think Joe Mixon's ceiling is what we've seen from him and even his healthy years, years is probably more like a low end running back one, but I'm a fan of the talent. So I hope you're right. I, I roster him in a couple of places. Okay, so the next uh, game we are moving on to is the Texans at the Browns. The Browns won this by 10, 31 to 21. And what I want to talk about here is Baker Mayfield's just true love for tight ends. He has hyper-targeted tight ends and been extremely effective on those throws throughout his career. And on Sunday, 11 of his 19 completions were two tight ends. And I believe that was on 12 targets to tight ends. So very efficient. And the problem is obvious. There's three of them here that are getting plenty of playing time. 
Najoku has had flashes in both games, including that really nice touchdown in week one. Hooper had a few big targets here in week two, and Harrison Bryant seems to kind of make an impact week after week, stringing back even to last year. And I guess I bring this up because I think there's value to be stashed here. I've been a Harrison Bryant promoter along with John since we started the podcast, and I still am because I think if the depth chart clears a little bit for him with Najoku's contract expiring and Hooper being, you know, a potential cap casualty in a year or so, we could see Harrison Bryant become a top 10 tight end rather quickly. Um, so there will always be multiple tight ends used in in uh, Stefanski's offense, but I personally want to stash Bryant and see what the rest of this year looks like. And of course, what the proverbial third year breakout for him looks like. So I'd be looking to, you know, I in a tight end premium league, I would probably send like a second round pick for Harrison Bryant and a third back. Maybe that that's kind of what I'm thinking. What do y'all think? Uh, I like that. Um, 2022 is definitely the year. You, you, we're going to see glimpses this year and we already have. We saw glimpses last year. But with three guys there, uh, he's going to get... And I think it's good that he's not necessarily going to be the guy on the field all the time uh, with uh, the, the other two guys there because he's learning and we're looking for that third-year breakout. So I like if if you're doing the proverbial uh, productive struggle, I think Hunter Bryan is the tight end that you want to target Ooh. right now uh, because... Uh, Harrison ha- Bryan. Harrison yeah. Branner, sorry. Hunter, Hunter played for uh, the Detroit... Lions, I don't know if he's still out there. He was the other Bryant from last year. My bad, y'all. Uh, but I, I like him. And the only thing I want to say about that is that we've seen the ceiling for Hooper. And I think that he's prob- Hooper's probably the guy that you want on your roster today because we know what he's capable of. But long term, I think you're right. Harrison Bryant is the guy that I want on my roster as well. Yeah, I don't know if I want too many of these guys on my roster. I know we talked last week in our group thread about David Njoku like is this guy actually worth rostering because he's on the last year of his contract maybe he lands somewhere more beneficial next year but we're acknowledging that he's not going to be startable at all this year and that's what all of these tight ends there in Cleveland look to me is like none of these guys I don't I I don't want to start any of them I'm not going to play right tight end roulette with just Cleveland. No, none of these guys have any appeal and I'm not trying to trade for shit. More of a stash candidate for tight end premium. Uh, Nijoku is definitely the cheapest for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the other thing I think that's worth pointing out is that unfortunately through all of last season in the first two weeks, we haven't seen OBJ and Landry on the field together right. healthy at the same time. So we really, nor will we, well, right. Yeah. Cause Landry's we'll out see. now. Right. So <laughs> Landry on a IR now. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe when Landry comes back healthy and, and rejoins, you know, the rest of this offense, then we'll kind of finally see what Baker and Stefanski have in mind for how the, the usage is going to shake out. But um, I mean, I think there's a philosophically, when you've got like an ambiguous situation like this, maybe you just pick the cheapest guy and take your lotto ticket, right? So um, if that's Najoku or Harrison Bryant in this case, then it's not, it's really not a bad strategic play, even though I have uh, kind of been singing praises for Hooper uh, through the offseason. Okay, John. So the next game that we're going to talk about were the Bills at Miami. It was a shutout 35 to zero. Tua got hurt in this game. Absolute 
whopping of the Dolphins led by Jacoby Brissett. What you got for this game, John? Well, there's there's some low hanging fruit here in that Josh Allen is God. So I just wanted to lead that lead by saying that. But the the thing that I want to dive into a little bit here is the thing I've seen the last two weeks, and I didn't get a chance to talk about it last week. Otherwise, I would have. And that's the Tua Waddle connection. Uh, that we we've been we've been talking about. Oh, they drafted Waddle because he's an Alabama guy to make Tua comfortable, and it was a narrative thing. Well, I'm seeing it now. I'm thinking that connection is real. Um, he faced two top end defenses in New England and Buffalo the last two weeks, and he still managed 10 receptions on 13 targets for 100 yards, and he's got a TD. This guy's a rookie. I think he's ahead of schedule. So uh, I, I I believe that Waddle is the uh, wide receiver two that I thought he was from this rookie class. And I'm all I'm all in. Like I'm buying him. I'm trying to get him on all of my rosters right now. And you know what? A big buying window just opened up because two was out with broken ribs for who knows how long. And Will Fuller is supposed to return this weekend. So if that means that A, Jacoby Brissett favors Will Fuller, and B, uh, none of these receivers look good anymore because of Jacoby Brissett, mm-hmm. then that means that I'm going to have a lot of opportunities to acquire Waddle in the next few weeks or however long it takes to, require, uh, to recover from broken ribs. So if I was going to give some dynasty advice right now, it's pay the price. Get Jalen Waddle on your roster because as long as he's connected to Tua, I think this. I think it's going to work. I think he's the wide receiver one long term for the Miami Dolphins. John, what is the price? Like you're you're saying, pay the price. Go get Waddle. What is it? Yeah, sure. So that so what? He's a first round pick this year, right? So first and a second, two firsts. I, I'm willing to give up Whoa, two firsts first? for Jalen Waddle right now. Yeah, sure. Well, not in right super now. flex, but one QB for you, sure. But you're saying you're saying buy the dip. You're saying two two first buys the dip. Well, okay. So let's find out in a few weeks. So I'm not saying buying him right now. I'm saying wait. Let Will Fuller come back. Wait for uh for Jacoby Brissett to ruin the Dolphins, and then right before Tua is going to come back, that's when you that's when you attack. That's what I'm All thinking. Right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And John, I think I agree with the fact that you don't necessarily have to trade right now because I do think there's, uh, you know, a risk of that, you know, value taking a hit with uh, Tua being out for, you know, week to week with the broken rib issue. And now uh, Will Fuller coming back healthy. So, uh, I mean, yeah, Waddle looks talented and, you know, I think he's, it's possible that he could uh, have a breakout rookie year, but I also think there's a legitimate risk of him being the third option in this offense, uh, you know, behind Devonte Parker and Will Fuller. So um, I don't think even if he has like a couple of big games, his price is going to increase too much more than what you just said you're willing to pay for him. So uh, I would much rather kind of wait and see how it shakes out over the next few weeks before uh, potentially paying full price for uh for Waddle at this point. Uh, you know, I was skeptical going into the offseason, but I do sure. like seeing some of the early returns through the first two weeks. Yeah, we know John was all in on Jalen Waddle. So still uh, is coming into the season and he still is. And you love to see it. And yeah, I mean, Waddle has looked really good on the touches he's gotten over the first two weeks. OK, so next game was the 49ers at Philadelphia. The 49ers won this 17 to 11. Mitch Shanahanigans, what you got? Well, after all the shenanigans, it's also Jimmy G time. And that's something none of us really wanted to talk about in the preseason. At least I definitely expected Trey Lance to take over at some part of the season. So I just want to get this out of the way. I don't think that's happening at all this year. This is Jimmy G's team. 
He's shown that to me in a lot of ways. Uh, a, just being the leader of that team, the game manager. But B, dude, this guy last game had three quarterback sneaks for first downs, one for a touchdown. Like, he's saying, I can do this too. And so we need to start adjusting our expectations for 2021 to be the the people that are around Jimmy Garoppolo. So that means we're looking at uh, Debo Samuel. That is uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's guy and Kittle, et cetera. So now that, now that we've established that Jimmy G is the guy, it's not really about where he is and what his worth is because I still think he's a one-year rental. But here's a question I really want to ask, and this is going to be the, the topic of the conversation for the rest of this. Uh, Tarek, uh, keep trade cut. Debo, Ayuk, or Kittle? Uh, okay. Uh, I am trading Debo. Uh, I'm keeping Kittle, and I'm cutting Ayuk. I can't Oof, believe you said it. I, that's just an initial reaction, just because I think Debo has the most inflated value right now. Yeah. I think Kittle has the most real value, mm-hmm. and that just leaves Ayuk as the cut. That's, I mean, that's that's how I interpreted the question. So, which is fair. I still love, I still love Ayuk though. I think you got it on the nose there. The point I'm trying to make is that Debo is right now at the pinnacle of where he's going to be at his value whether you're trading for him or trading him away. And you cannot say that Ayuk is more valuable than Debo at this point because Jimmy Garoppolo has been peppering Debo with targets. We're like, what, 12 the first game, 8 the second game. And the run after the catch for Debo, like, this dude is the first guy in the offense. And I'm going to talk about a little bit later. For now, that Kittle, yeah. He is for now, but Kittle, Kittle has been the solid number two here. So Ayuk has gotten one look, you know, it's things are changing. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I, I wouldn't totally throw out my priors there. Like you and Tarek just suggested. I think I would still prefer Ayuk over Debo straight up. And I still do prefer Ayuk over Debo. I'm just, that's how I interpreted the keep trade cut. Okay. Right. So, I mean, this is going into like the classic, like perceived value versus like actual value conversation. I still have Ayuk ranked 14, 15 spots ahead of Debo. So let's get that out of the way. And that's because he had a breakout rookie season uh, with, you know, bad quarterback play. And I think it's believable to think that, you know, he was hampered by injury in week one. He was in the doghouse with uh, Shanahan and and he was the victim of these uh, shenanigans, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, no, no disrespect against Debo and what he's done uh, through the first two weeks because he's leading the league in target share right now. Uh, but, you know, I think it's possible in a Shanahan offense. And um, I don't know if I've said this before or not, but I think it's possible that there are three fantasy relevant pass catchers and these guys can coexist. And I'm just I'm not totally sure that that happens with Jimmy G at quarterback. I mean, what I'm seeing through the first two weeks is. Jimmy G is like throwing a ton of screen passes. He's not really pushing the ball downfield. And it kind of looks like they've got the training wheels on for him. And, you know, they barely got by the Detroit Lions and the Philadelphia Eagles. So um, when they're playing like a lot better teams and and Jimmy G's really challenged by some better defenses, uh, then, you know, I think we might see a change at quarterback. I think it's definitely possible we see Trey Lance this year. So Jimmy G was definitely like game manager uh, as far as the stats go, but watching the game yesterday or not yesterday, watching the game on Sunday uh, against the Eagles, like it was a really, really tough 
fought game, defensive struggles and all that. But Jimmy G took control over that game. Like he had those game deciding third down conversions, those QB sneaks and like it didn't show up on the stat sheet. It's not going to look good on his uh, fantasy scoreboard. Definitely not. But what he certified for me in that last game was, was that he is the guy. He He's the guy until he's not. Yeah. Right? So I don't think he's done anything to lose the job. And I think he's going to keep the job as long as he is competent. And Jimmy G is very good at being competent, right? He throws an accurate ball, not a very strong ball. And maybe he can pick up a QB sneak first down every once in a while. But as far as mobility, there's nothing there. There's absolutely nothing there. So I agree with you in the sense that I think he's going to have the job for as long as he's competent, but he's the guy until he's not right. And we've seen that with Kyle Shanahan, he will make that move, right? If it means winning football games for the 49ers. So yeah. And, and kind of what I'm saying is maybe the Eagles defense is a lot better than we think it is, but 17 points against the Eagles does not really scream to me uh playoff ready offense. So, uh, you know, if, if they really have, you know, Super Bowl aspirations this year, I think a change is in the works at some point. I can't wait for the game against the Packers this week. That's going to be a fun one. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. I I heard a stat on Mina Kimes podcast earlier today that the Packers are allowing um, nine yards per carry on outside runs, which is insane. So get Trey Lance involved in the game plan, please. All right. Uh, The next game that we're going to talk about was the Patriots at the Jets. Another shellacking uh, between uh, two rookie quarterbacks, the Patriots won 25 to six. Trey, what is your one insider takeaway from this game? Yeah, so looking at this game, I think what's really standing out to me is just how the Patriots are using James White in this offense this year. And, you know, James White's 29. He got re-signed on a one-year contract in the offseason. And uh, I think all of us faded him quite a bit. I had him down in my uh, running back 54 range in the offseason. But, I mean, really they're using this guy just as a wide receiver out of the backfield and they're getting him involved like regularly. So through two weeks, he's got nine carries and 13 targets for one touchdown that makes him running back 15 in PPR scoring uh, with 15.3 points per game. And on top of that, he's number seven in the NFL in fantasy points per opportunity with 1.39 points per uh, touch or carry, which, um, it's it's just incredible. Like uh, so, I think you know right now you can start viewing him as a running back three for the rest of the year, like a flex player, somebody who can come off the uh, the bench as a contender. Um, I I kind of have him in a similar tier to guys like James Robinson and Tyson Williams than where I had him in the past, just because yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be like a long term answer at age twenty nine, but he can give you that you know, that wide receiver three, the occasional wide receiver two, or excuse me, running back three, the occasional running back two production uh, throughout the rest of the season. So right now I've moved him up ahead of guys like Kenyon Drake, uh, guys like James Conner and Jamal Williams up to uh, running back 40. And I mean, if he keeps getting this usage and, you know, keeps getting looks in the red zone, then he could get the touchdowns to sneak in a little bit higher too. So if you're a contender, I see James White as a really valuable throw-in piece now if you're making deals with uh, guys who uh, maybe have him on a rebuilding roster. Well, you saw they weren't even afraid to give him the goal line carry. Yeah, yeah. Right. Damian Harris looked really good. I mean, he had 
probably the best run of the year so far. I mean, it was horrible defense by the Jets, but that touchdown run was awesome by Damian Harris. Um, but yeah, and we've seen Mac Jones is an intensely conservative quarterback, at least early in his career right now. Um, so you can expect James White to get those checkdowns as well. I, I like this take trade. Yeah. And I mean, if you're a contender, right, like you don't want this guy as your running back too. We've said that on the pod, you know, a hundred times, but you know, you need depth as the season goes on. And uh, this role is super valuable as the pass catching back in this offense. And uh, I think he's going to continue to see this usage and give you a little bit of return on that value at, at his current price. Okay, so the next game we want to talk about is the Raiders at the Steelers. The Raiders went into Pittsburgh and beat the Steelers 26 to 17. And what I want to talk about for this game, uh, you know, Najee Harris looked better. Hopefully Deontay Johnson is okay. But I want to talk about Derek Carr because through two games, he leads the league in passing yards, passing attempts and air yards, and he's eighth in yards per attempt. Shout out to Adam Levitan for that uh, information. He's doing all of this without a functional running game. Josh Jacobs is hurt, and Kenyon Drake is playing horribly. And with poor offensive line play, he's been pressured on 28% of his dropbacks. And outside of the first half of game one, he's really spread the ball around well. Um, John and Trey were ahead of the market on Carr in the offseason, and I think all four of us uh, are kind of with them now trey really boosted him after week one i think he's found his mojo again kind of since that almost mvp season a couple years ago and i love him as a qb2 for a contender and a target in all formats so if i'm trying to get car on my roster in a super flex league i'm thinking maybe like a late first four car and a throw in that i like you know maybe someone like kj hamler for instance what do y'all think i like it uh i've i've been uh, in the drafts I was doing, super flex drafts I was doing this summer, I was always targeting Carr as my uh, QB3 because that's where you were able to land him. And right now he's, he's uh, showing me that that gamble's paying off. Uh, my my question is, I guess the joke was after week one is like Darren Waller's, Waller's going to end up with 6,000 targets. But now we're not seeing that. Like you said, Carr's spreading the ball around. So my question is, who's the wide receiver we want here? And I think it, Henry Ruggs had a big game, right? Henry Ruggs had over 100 yards. He had the touchdown. But I think it's Brian Edwards. He didn't have the stat line that uh, that Henry Ruggs had last week, but he had a couple of touchdowns that were called back, ones that looked good. I think we're on the verge of the proverbial Brian Edwards breakout, and I'm still trying to get on there. I'm still, I'm still trying to get on the train there. I think Brian Edwards is the wide receiver to own uh, connected to Derek Carr right now. He says, he says, Carr is spreading the ball around. N- nobody's getting the targets. Meanwhile, Darren Waller has 19 targets game one and seven targets game two. Uh, I-, I think he might be dialed in on that guy. Uh, but yeah, no. I- yeah, I was just saying like out in the first half of game one, he hyper targeted yes. Darren yes. Waller. And since then, he's been he's been spreading it around yes. really well. So, um, yeah, over kind of segmenting that first half of game one away. I think he's spreading it around more than it seems. Yeah. I mean, so I, I'm never going to pass up an opportunity to throw some love on Darren Waller. He's got 31% target share right now, which is uh, leading the league uh, for the tight end position. So I do think he's the pass catcher to have attached to Derek Carr. And if you've got Darren Waller on your team, then by all means, go and get Derek Carr as your uh, quarterback too, because that's great for those um, for that stack and those, uh, you know, surge weeks for Darren Waller when he does get his touchdown. But um, I think I agree with John that Brian Edwards is still 
sort of the wide receiver out of this bunch. Uh, but I do think that just because um, Carr has been spreading it around to the different receivers, we've seen Renfro get involved quite a bit. Um, none of them could end up being fantasy usable this year, but maybe Renfro uh, or Edwards turns into a long-term option, but um, I'm not buying personally. Yeah, I'm kind of out on Brian Edwards at this point as well because not it's not that he's spreading it around. It's that Renfro is definitely getting a lot of these key targets on third down, these short, like right. third and three mm-hmm. targets, second and four targets, and Renfro's that guy. If maybe he's the second look, if uh, you know his main guy is not there, Waller, but Renfro has been involved, and that's concerning if you're a Brian Edwards guy for sure. Yeah, I, I just want to point out that I am the highest on Brian Edwards by 20 spots in our Ooh. consensus rankings. <laughs> 20 spots. <laughs> I mean, he could very easily lead that re- wide receiver room and end up as you know receiver 46 on the year. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the Broncos at the Jaguars, otherwise known as the only spread that was hit this week by Mitch. Good job. Ooh, he, 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 he. Broncos 23, Jaguars 13. John, what's your thoughts on this game? Uh, Here's my best Sam Ellinger uh, impression. He's back! Yeah, we're talking about Cortland Sutton here. Uh, Cortland Sutton looks like he's already back into his 2019 form. Uh, He had a 9 reception, 159-yard stat line this week after a week one dud. Um, Now, that's a standout performance, but is it due to the absence to Jerry Judy? I'm not sure. It could be the opponent as well. Regardless, Sutton's value is bound to increase until Judy returns. Like he's he's gonna keep having these performances. Uh, if he stacks in a few touchdowns, there we're talking like huge value increase. So my only question is, when Judy returns, does that continue? But to my eyes, he's passing the eye test to me. He looks 100% healthy. He looks like the X receiver that he was in 2019. And I'm all in on Cortland Sutton right now. Well, Judy's out for six weeks as well, right? Uh, well, he's IR, so it's three weeks minimum. We're not. We're we're oh, guessing gotcha. six to eight, I think. Yeah. Four to six, yeah. maybe. Yeah, I was really excited about Cortland Sutton until you brought the Sam Ellinger he's back thing into, <laughs> I the, into the fold. Now, now I think it's jinxed, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, one thing I want to say about the Broncos and, you know, shout out to the Snow Donkeys, shout out to our friend Ooh. Kyle, big Broncos fan. Let's keep in mind they've played the Jags and the Giants and they have the Jets next. So things look good right now. They're going to look good for another week, but let's just be careful with the rocket ship. Things will get harder. All that being said, Cortland Sutton forever. Hey, He's amazing. All I heard was rocket ship and harder. That's all I heard. <laughs> <laughs> all right, mic check. What? What? Nas, why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. All right, we've gestured to it a couple of times. Uh, we fell short this week burr, burr. Out, or last week outside Ooh. of Mitch, who took the smart play and bet against the Jags. I'll uh, fucking do so it again. We could all learn something from Mitch, but hey, this week is another week, so let's get four more picks against the spread, and we will start with John. And I'm happy to report that I had three picks, and all three of them landed on here the exact way that I was going to pick them. So this is really good for me. The one I landed on, though, was the Giants at home against Atlanta. Uh, I'm taking the three point. Uh, we got a minus three for the Giants, so they got to win by three and a half. Uh, so we're going to kick a field goal and a half there. Uh, I... I we t- we talked about we talked about Daniel Jones earlier 
And I think his progression, uh, and I think that Saquon coming back into the fold here against a really bad Atlanta defense, I think that's going to spell an easy victory for the Giants at home here against a bad Atlanta defense. So I'm expecting big things from Saquon, from Daniel Jones, and I'm expecting nothing from Atlanta. So give me the Giants minus three at home. I like it. All right. My pick is going to be Rams as a one and a half point dog at home to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And now look, I know Tom Brady can very easily and swiftly and efficiently make me look like an idiot here. But look, the Rams are at home, so they're not traveling three time zones. Uh, That's a little narrative-y, but AB is very likely to miss with a positive COVID test. But Outside of those things, I legitimately think the Rams are the better team, uh, you know, kind of outside of the quarterback position. And Stafford is still really good. The Buccaneers secondary is banged up. L.A.'s offense has showed out against much more difficult defenses than the Bucs have. L.A. has played the Bears and the Colts solid defense, whereas Tampa has dominated the Cowboys and the Falcons defenses, which we know are complete sieves. So with all that in mind, me I do think that the L.A. Rams are an overall better team than the Bucs. Give me a point and a half to bet on the Rams getting it done at home. Tarek, I'll give you this. The uh, the Bucs did almost lose to the Cowboys at home on opening night. So uh, I think we would all agree the Rams are probably more a complete team than uh, Dallas. So I, at first I wasn't confident, but uh, I like it and I trust you, man. I, I don't trust either of you and I hate this and I've said it before. There's one key to betting that I stand by and that's not betting against fucking Tom Brady. Don't fucking do it, boys. Why are you doing that? Well, you're going to have to do it this week, bud. We are doing it. Well, the bet's already placed, Mitch, so <laughs> why don't you give us your pick? Well, it turns out I'm going to take Arizona uh, against Jacksonville. Uh, they are minus seven and a half which means they're going to score a touchdown. Yes, you guessed it, and a half <laughs> against the Jags. They're the away team. I know that's frightening. That that incredibly sold-out crowd that Jacksonville always boasts there. But uh, no, I think they're. I think Jacksonville is probably going to lose by uh, 30, 34, a cool thirty-four. <laughs> Hey, then this it. is an easy bet. Gotta be, right? We'd love to see it. All right. Trey, what you got? All right. All right. So we talked about how good uh Derek Carr is playing, and we talked about the uh the Tua injury. And for some reason, Las Vegas is only a four and a half point favorite at home against the visiting Dolphins on the road with Jacoby Brisket leading the way at quarterback. Where's the beef? This line just does not make sense to me at all. Uh, I mean, we already saw Vegas beat the Ravens on Monday Night Football in week one. Then they just went and beat Pittsburgh on the road. Meanwhile, Jacoby Brisket, who is not good, (laughs) is going to be coming in uh, from Miami. And honestly, I think Vegas wins by double digits. So this is an easy bet for me at uh, as four and a half point favorites. And the prices for Brisket are too high. The line for Brisket is too high. The line for overpriced Brisket is too high. This is fucking ridiculous. Indeed. That was my second favorite line of the week. I also like uh, the Titans at home playing some combination of Jacob Eason or Brett Hundley. Uh, I think that's I think that's a pretty safe bet, but that's not the one I chose. I just I wanted to throw it out there. That was kind of my C bet. 
All right. So uh, the bet has been placed. Giants minus three, Rams plus one and a half, Arizona minus seven and a half, and Vegas minus four and a half. We'll see if we can hit two out of three. All right, let's move on to this second half. First game we're going to talk about here. The Titans went into Seattle. Really impressive overtime win, 33 to 30. Mitch, how you feeling about your titties? <laughs> feeling good about them titties, man. <laughs> feeling good about the Titans. Uh this is about the Seattle Seahawks and specifically about Chris Carson. Uh, he had 29 attempts last two games. Uh, nobody other than Russell Wilson has had more than two attempts. So when I'm looking back at last game, his stat line didn't look sexy. It was 13 rushes, 31 yards, but he had two touchdowns. And if you're looking at that, you're saying, oh, man, those touchdowns really saved him. That was a rough performance. And you know what? You're right. But game one, it was 16 rushes, 91 yards, no touchdowns. So when you kind of mix these two together, you show me two things. Uh, you show me that he is there when it's going well and there when it's not going well. And against the Titans, the last his two touchdowns came at the end of the game on the goal line. This was after he had been stuffed several times on third down. Um, they're not handing it to Rashad Penny. They're not handing it to DJ Dallas. Like, Carson is the guy there. And what I'm saying is, regardless of game script, whatever, the, uh, the the Seahawks were up. I'm saying go get Carson now because he's sitting at that running back 18 status. He's looking like that, eh, whatever, take it or leave it. Uh, something that Tarek and I have been talking about is maybe switching, like, an Elijah Mitchell and a 2 for, or I'm sorry, and a 1 for Carson and a 2 something like that just to just to get that older guy on your roster. So here here's my thing with Chris Carson. Christopher Carson even. Uh go ahead, get him on your squad if you want, but make sure you are a contender. Be really really sure you're a contender. He's 27. He's going to be 28 next year. He's got a big old out in his contract between the 2021 and 2022 seasons. Uh we Chris Carson really great this season. Totally agree with you Mitch, but Christopher Carson is on the verge of becoming age cliff Carson. Mm -hmm. So watch out. Yeah. And I'll say this for, for Mitch. I, I agree. I think his value is really low right now. I just checked on keep trade cut and he's down to uh, running back 22 uh, right now, uh, which uh, he's definitely going to outperform that. My projections has him at uh, running back or tied for running back 12 over the rest of the year. So a low end uh, running back one, but um, I mean, DJ Dallas has been hurt, right? So, I mean, I guess there's the possibility that he, or not Dallas, uh, Rashad Penny has been hurt. Right. I guess For there's a uh, possibility Rashad Forever. Penny comes back healthy. <laughs> Eternally. And potentially gets some some usage, but I wouldn't factor that into the the valuation here. I, I like the move if you're a contender. Um, but if if he does miss time due to injury, that value will never recover at age 27. Agreed. Yeah, I, I agree with all parties here. Honestly, like I, I like what Mitch is putting out. I like the warnings that John and Trey are putting out. I think that Chris Carson is like probably the best target for a contender right now because he doesn't cost that much. And right. he's if he if he stays healthy, that's a ticket that you want to invest in because he's going to outperform uh, what you paid for him. But I agree with what John and Trey are saying about his value as a 27 year old who runs the way he does. He's his 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 value cliff is coming. Okay, so the next game we're going to talk about, Saints got absolutely embarrassed uh, at 
Carolina, 26 to 7 is uh, by how much the Panthers won. Trey, I'm throwing it to you on this game. What are you thinking? Yeah, so first off, I want to give a lot of credit to that Panthers defense and uh, Sam Darnold for what they've done through the first two weeks. That team is 2-0 and and playing well. And I mean, let's be honest, they're probably going to be 3-0 and after they beat the Texans tonight. So uh, I wanted to talk about the Saints passing game because I was really excited about Jameis Winston and his five touchdowns in week one. But, you know, taking a step back and looking at what the Saints are doing, Jameis has only thrown 41 passes through the first two games. So that tells me the training wheels are definitely on for Jameis. They're limiting the amount of times that the, you know, the wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man can go out there and throw picks to the other team. So hat tip to Chris Harris for that one. Alvin Kamara right now has a 24.4% target share and nobody else on this team has more than 15%. You've got Marquez Callaway, you've got Jawan Johnson, you've got Adam Troutman, all tied with six targets at just under 15%. So look, I got excited about Jameis last week, but his upside is super low with this kind of volume, even if he does turn into the long-term answer uh, to, you know, for New Orleans. So maybe I overreacted a little bit to those touchdowns. I actually moved Jameis Winston down a spot or two compared to last week. And uh, we talked about Daniel Jones earlier. I like the upside of Daniel Jones and his uh, his running game. So I moved him above Jameis now and knocked Jameis down a spot. And uh, just looking at these pass catching options, I'm not really a fan of anybody besides Kamara at this point. I think you can fade any pass catcher in New Orleans not named Kamara. And that includes Adam Troutman, who looked really promising with his six targets in week one. Right now, he looks like tight end two is his upside for the rest of the year. So I just want to piggyback off one thing, because this stat's going to blow y'all's mind. With his 42 attempts, uh, of the top 32 quarterbacks in fantasy right now, Jameis Winston is dead last. He has less than half of the passes that Jared Goff and Derek Carr have attempted. That's insane. I believe two games. The training wheels are on. For real. Yeah. So this passing game, I, I think they're just... Fade any pass catcher not named Kamara at this point. Well, Mitch, let let me ask you this. Does this make you think that maybe there's just this big gaping hole for a man named Michael Thomas when he comes back? Oh, you know, is that possible? I'm over here just like being super quiet going, okay, you say that, huh? All these people that like blew their load trying to get uh, uh, Mr. Callaway. Like if we're if we're saying, oh, no, we've all made a mistake and they definitely feel like they have. All right. Well, how much you want to pay for your mistake is kind of where I'm at, because uh, like one game, this is bad Jameis. There is good Jameis and there's bad Jameis. This is Jameis. This is going to happen. There are going to be games where Troutman's going to get two touchdowns and 100 yards and everybody's going to be like, oh, we need him again. Like this is tight end roulette at it. it like for me, I'm like Troutman. Cool. I'll take him at a discount. Uh, Callaway. Cool. I'll take him at a discount. Uh, Michael Thomas. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if we're thinking, if, if anybody's thinking that Jameis is going to lose his job to, um, oh God, what's his Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill already forgot about him. Uh, if, if, if we think he's going to lose his job to him or something like that, no, no, no freaking way. Michael Thomas is still in my peripheries. And if I can buy super low, I'm buying super low on all these guys. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm struggling because I hear what Trey is saying about like the very, very low volume and the training wheels being on. Um, but I, I do think 
that ultimately I agree with Mitch that these peaks and valleys are just kind of what we have to expect from Jameis Winston, the fantasy quarterback. Um, so I'm not, I'm not moving him too much. I didn't move him that much up after week one. I was excited, but uh, I'm not going to move him really anything uh, after week two. I, I want to see a couple more weeks, see what Sean Payton has in store. And and before we move on, uh, I just, with Michael Thomas, I think maybe we manage expectations a little bit when he does come back. Let's think of him more as a wide receiver too than the, mm-hmm. the top overall receiver in fantasy, which he was before uh, he got hurt last year. Sure. sure. Certainly. Okay. So next uh, game I want to talk about is the Rams at the Colts. The Rams eked this one out 27 to 24. So I did not uh, hit my pick against the spread last week. What I want to talk about here, I really like seeing Michael Pittman have the best game of his career against a good Rams defense. And I liked seeing him do it on more than just crossing and drag routes. So he had 123 yards on 12 targets and eight receptions. I watched the tape and I counted 11 of 12 targets coming against zone coverage. So I'm not sure we know yet whether he can be a man coverage beater or if he's more just kind of a find the soft spot like tight end playing receiver. Um, But I hope to see him continue to be featured here. And it's a bummer. I mean, we've joked about Carson Wentz. None of us are particularly high on Wentz. But we might have to wait a few weeks for Wentz to come back and keep developing that chemistry with Michael Pittman because, listen, Brett Hundley, Jacob Eason, Sam Ellinger, they ain't it. I'm, I'm telling you that right now. All that being said, I'm not actively targeting Michael Pittman. If I can get him for a second, obviously. But otherwise, I still want to see him string together some performances like this before I aggressively target because He didn't show any ability to be a consistent producer in this offense last year, and his week one was horrible. So I I just wait and see if you have him, hold him and don't go buying unless you can get him for like a second round pick. Yeah. Yeah. And and obviously, I think I'm lower than you are on Pittman. I I don't know that I would give up a second for him. Uh, Maybe I would give up a third straight up or a second. Oh my God. Third. Yeah. Right. But <laughs> look, I mean, it's a good showing by Pittman. I'm, I'm definitely worried. The quarterback situation prevents him from taking that next step. Even if Wentz does come back healthy, uh, let's not forget he is a face planner. Right. So, I mean, there's other young guys out there, guys like Diami Brown, who's getting opportunities now in Washington, guys like Darnell Mooney in Chicago. I would rather go after those guys than a guys, uh, than Pittman at this point. But um, I mean, it's an encouraging sign, but you know, I, I think you'll probably see defenses adjust accordingly, and maybe he sees a little bit more man coverage going forward. Well, with the Colts, you've seen a lot of you, you've seen a lot of wide receivers bring in more than you expected. You look at Zach Pascal, you look at Paris Campbell, you you look at Pittman. They've all actually looked pretty okay there, and uh, that's yeah. that's. Maybe due in part to our favorite quarterback, Mister. I broke both my ankles and my fucking foot. <laughs> but I <laughs> look. I the ball is being distributed. Pittman looked great, and that's exciting for me. I've been this notoriously low on Pittman, and Pittman looks very good, the individual. But maybe I'm situation fading him, and I, maybe that's what you're mad at. I'm not sure. I'm not mad at anything. No, I I actually agree with what y'all are saying here. Like, I'm not excited about the quarterback situation in Indianapolis either. But 
Uh, it was a really good game uh, in which he succeeded at beating zone coverage and then, you know, showed an ability to be a big body in open space. Um, so, you know, I, that's why I'm saying I'm not I'm not actively targeting him right now, um, but I'm encouraged and I want to see what happens moving forward. OK, next game, Vikings went into Arizona and uh, because of a missed kick at the end of regulation, lost by one point to the Cardinals. John, what are you taking away from this game? Well, this is the game I picked for our parlay, and I took the Cardinals minus six, and they did win, but by one point on a missed. Oh, I think it was minus three and a half, actually. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, you know. They... And I thought you'd lose by three, so really we all lost here. We we <laughs> we actually did all lose, so I apologize Indeed. for that. I'll do better this week. Uh, so You're I fucking was up, John. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's only one professional gambler here, and it's Mitch. So that's why the rest of us lost. <laughs> no, it's okay. Eric. I don't live in a state where I could do that, John. Why would oh, I? Oh yes. Why would no, I we're ever not gam- do that? Nope. None of us are gambling. Nobody is gambling. Nobody has ever done that. Just I was me. just deflecting. Just me. <laughs> anyway, John, what are you taking away from this game? Anyway, I was tempted to talk about KJ Osborne here, but I think he's going to be more of a flash of a pan guy. So I'm more interested in talking about Ron Dale Moore. Rondale Moore was behind guys, uh, the top three, uh, top four guys we're talking about in our rookies. We're talking uh, the uh, Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore. Most people had uh, Rondale Moore behind him, but he looks ahead of schedule in his development as an NFL wide receiver to me. He's currently wide receiver 17 in PPR formats. He's coming off the seven for 114 yards, one touchdown stat line. Now he had the big one, the big broken play touchdown so that definitely inflated it but he's looking like a big play threat uh on every single play just like he did at purdue and he's getting the ball downfield and they weren't really doing that at purdue so they're using him down the field and i wasn't expecting that so i'm kind of i'm feeling pretty excited about rondale Moore right now um i'm not selling the ship for him or anything but i think that the ceiling is really high and here's why uh, game one, snap percentage of 29%. Game two, 46%. So it's increasing, but I think they're still acclimating him to the offense. Uh, if he can increase that snap percentage, then I think his ceiling is actually the moon, right? So maybe it doesn't happen this season. Obviously, Hopkins is still the guy there. They've got A.J. Green. They've got Christian Kirk, who looks like the big downfield threat. He's getting all the air yards right now. But I'm thinking A.J. Green's probably gone after this season, and Christian Kirk's just a guy in my mind. So I'm I'm looking towards the future, and I'm thinking Rondale Moore is a guy that I'd like to have on my roster, and I didn't manage to get him on any of my rosters. So I'm very excited about him. I love the landing spot when it happened, and he's looking the part right now. Oh, you know, I called him Rondale Moore once or twice or three times, but this guy <laughs> might be looking like the right Dale up in this bitch. Uh, and, <laughs> like, look, he's got more targets than than anybody else currently. He has the most targets. He has more tar- targets than DeAndre Hopkins. And, like, that that's kind of a big deal considering what we've seen. We've seen the DeAndre Hopkins highlights, the nasty shit that he does when he catches the ball. And we say, Rondale had one more target? And he also happens to have almost 50 more yards receiving as well. So, yeah. like, sure, A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, Edmonds, all these guys are going to be on the field getting targets and whatnot. But, dude, this guy is this guy's a main part of the offense. I, I didn't really see it happening. I thought Larry Fitzgerald might come back. I thought A.J. Green might get more of the actual real targets. 
But like, dude, this guy is game plan. This guy is a part of that offense. And I nobody's mentioned him yet. Kyler Murray is going to continue lighting shit up. And Rondale is going to be a benefactor of that. So I, we're starting to think about him in, in redraft, let alone dynasty. Yeah, yep. I'm yeah. definitely yes. jumping up on this train choo-choo. I really like that John highlighted the snap percentages going up. And obviously there's a lot of room for them to go up even more. Um, you know, you look at guys last year that in the first couple of weeks didn't get a high snap share like T Higgins and Justin Jefferson, something similar like that could happen if Rondale Moore keeps showing out when he's on the field. Uh, so yeah, I'm really excited about him and yeah, I'm like, you know, I've, I've, I'm done with Christian Kirk and the beautiful thing about Arizona is the too many mouths to feed narrative just doesn't work in Arizona because they throw the ball a metric fuck ton. Yeah. So <laughs> there's plenty of of food to feed those mouths. Kyler's a giver. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, you're right. You're absolutely right. The pace there just makes all of these guys viable and uh I'm not going to victory lap Rondale because I I love the guy in the offseason, but uh I will say this, he is uh not small. He is short. <laughs> yeah he's thick he is not small he is a big man <laughs> all right moving on to the next game monday night football the packers took out all their frustration uh in the second half on the lions packers won at home 35 to 17 mitch what are you extracting from this game for dynasty hawkinson is my tight end for in dynasty period and he passed george kittle and he did it for this reason. Uh, Kittle was there. He he was definitely in that top tier. And I had that tier separated with Hawkinson and uh, uh, Mark Andrews just right below. But Hawkinson has become that number one wide receiver in Detroit, as where Kittle has faded into the number one tight end in San Francisco. So... The, the problem that I have with Kittle is that he's just faded away and Hawkinson is dominating. Hawkinson is getting uh, targets after target. The, the touchdowns that he's caught were, were like absolutely breathtaking, toe touching at the corner of the end zone. So we know he's got that. But the volume over the middle, like Hawkinson is the only guy on a team with no wide receivers. Yeah, dude, there's nothing else. Uh, Swift is the second highest targeted player. Um, I, Hawkinson is the first by a, a he has 20. Swift has 14 and Cephas has 12. And then uh, Jamar Williams has 12. That's one wide receiver in their top four. So, yeah, Hawkinson's the guy, man. He's the guy. He's going to win it for you this season. He's going to win it for you going forward. He's ascending into that top three, probably. I need to start seeing something from Pitts to keep him up there. But Hawkinson is going up. Kittle. Eh. Pitts had a great week, too. I don't know what you're talking about. He's still at number one, bro. I'm just saying. Come yeah. on, bro. <laughs> you just want them touchdowns. I want well, them right, touchdowns. What do you all think about this? Hawkinson at tight end four. I mean, for me, he's definitely breathing down Kittle's neck. But I'm not quite ready to put him there because I still think Kittle is is the better real life tight end. So I but I'm I'm it's not sticky. Like if it keeps happening this way, I'm not going to be stubborn. So I, I hear what you're saying, Mitch. I'm looking at John's ranks right now. And John's the only one with Kittle as uh, his tight end number one. So, uh, John, you got to back this up, man. Back up your guy. 
Look, you're not gonna you're not gonna drop the tight end one after two weeks. I'm sorry. Uh, that's that's a small sample size. Give me maybe when Trey Lance comes in, that's when I'm gonna reevaluate. But uh, George Kittle has the long history. I know we're talking about Hawkinson here, and I love Hawkinson, but George Kittle has the history of being the tight end one, and I'm not ready to move him yet. I'm I'm just calling the last two games an, an aberration. And I fully expect him to continue being a top one or two tight end for the rest of the season. So, John, Plus, you're saying it's an ab- All right, that's fine. Is that an aberration for Kittle or for Hawkinson, though? Because uh, Hawkinson- no, I think I love Hawkinson. I I think you're I I'm right there. I I want to move Hawkinson up as well. My trouble is moving. Who moves down? Y'all are saying move. I already Kittle told down. you. Uh, I know, I know, but that's my trouble. It's like I don't want to move any of these guys out of the top. Fo- out do of the you top have four. Hawkinson behind Mark Andrews? No, I have him at five. Oh, no, no. Okay. Yeah. Mark Mark Andrews isn't anywhere close anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think we can all agree. Yeah, on that. give give this group of four credit. We all had Hawk over Andrews by the time the season started. So it's not it's no longer a group of four for me. It's a group of five when we're talking about the top tight ends. I think yeah. Hawkinson's ascending into that tier one for me. Real quick before we go on, Tarek, are you saying still hold on Kittle over Hawkinson? Yes, I am. I am holding Kittle there, but I'm not going to be stubborn. Okay. Like, I I think I think Kittle's target share and what Shanahan's game plan has been the last two games is worrying for me. For obviously for Ayuk, but also for Kittle. Who's with me? No, I don't think I don't think anybody is with Mitch at this point, but I think it's really, really close. Uh, Yeah, yeah. it's close. Yes, it's worth keeping an eye on for sure. But hey, Mitch, I love it. I love it. I'm not blaming you. I think I I like that move, Um, but I'm I man, I love George. Hill. He's (laughs) he's so good. man. so I I got to hold on a little bit longer, but let's move on. Let's move from Monday night football to Sunday night football. Really incredible game. Uh, Chiefs lost at home to the Ravens, thirty-six to thirty-five. Trey, you gonna be talking about uh, a running back here? I am. I'm talking about uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire and his uh, his fall from grace. Man, I was really, really high on him in the offseason. I've had to adjust quite a bit after these first two weeks. So, uh, I mean, the the worst thing for me is that the Chiefs basically don't value him. Uh, or they haven't valued him at all in, through the first two weeks in the passing game. He only has three targets on the season. So, um, I mean, I think we're lucky at this point if he gets you 15 points per game, if he gets you you know, his 90 yards and a touchdown, because apparently it's not happen- happening in the receiving game. So um, it, for the rest of the season, I, th- I would view him kind of in the same tier as guys like Miles Gaskin and Damian Harris. Uh, just because I think they're going to get enough, you know, usage to catch up to Ceh at this point, because all the volume in that offense is going through Tyreek Hill and and Travis Kelsey. So, I mean, the only hope for Ceh at this point is there's been some rumors, some talk of him recovering from a high ankle sprain that he got in the off season. So, I hope that that's the case, and he does kind of return to form uh, over the next two or three weeks because it, it looks bad right now. So. I dropped him down from my running back 11 down to running back 17 in my dynasty ranks. So quite a bit. Uh, I've still got him right above uh, Monty and Miles Sanders, but it's really close. And I wouldn't really fault you if you wanted to go the other way there. Uh, But I've confidently moved up guys like Javante Williams and J.K. Dobbins, even with the injury. 
uh, along with some of the older vets like Zeke and Eckler over CEH, where I had CEH ahead of those guys before. CEH is the classic situation over talent, though. And when he landed there, everybody just exploded over CEH, and we decided that he could be a pass-catching guy. And it's almost like a just a confirmation bias when we looked into his profile. And, you know, I, I think it's time to start admitting. I mean, his, his profile admittedly was very good, but, I mean... It was a historic season at LSU there that that boosted it. So that's worth mentioning. You know, you look at Andy Reid, though. He loves a running back that he can trust. He 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 feeds them. And you can tell just by his usage that, like, he's not earning that. And I've been out for a long time. I I cannot believe that Tarek actually just spent a first round draft pick to acquire CEH in another league. That shit is wild to me. Like, dude. The Chiefs, they're not interested in the guy. That, that's where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, we'll see. I, I I think what projects to be a late first round pick is worth the risk, in my opinion. If it holds like this, I got to give Mitch credit. He has been saying for months that he does not think Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a good running back. And over the first two weeks, the numbers say it, the tape says it, he looks fucking horrible. Yeah. So, but... um. You know, I just felt like a late first was worth the risk in case, you know, they they either change things up or he starts like recovering from that potential high ankle sprain. Um, so, I mean, I respect your position, Mitch. You've been out on him for a long time. I do think Clyde Edwards-Alaire has talent. Um, so I'm going to bank on that. And me and Trey have him right around the same area right now, RB17, 18. Okay, moving on to the penultimate game here. My Cowboys uh, went in and beat the Chargers 20 to 17. You know, uh, I claim the Cowboys when they do well and I don't when they do poorly. And that just makes me a Cowboys fan. So how about them? Am I right? Anyway, but look, I'm not going to talk about the Cowboys here. The man I want to talk about, it's got to be Mike Dubb, Mike Williams. He's making a push for the title of the real big Mike against Mike Evans, Michael Thomas. I talked about Michael Pittman earlier, who I'm dubbing Little Big Mike. (laughs) And after week one, I thought Mike Williams looked like the 1B to Keenan Allen's 1A. Now, after week two, I think it behooves us to say that through two weeks, he looks like the 1A possession receiver in LA. Like they weren't lying when they said that he was going to have the Mike Thomas role in Lombardi's offense. So let's talk about the numbers 22 targets 25 percent target share 173 yards and a touchdown in each game over the first two weeks no look i don't have him above keenan allen in my rankings right now but he's creeped up after both weeks to where he's in the debo samuel adam thielen tyler lockett area of dynasty ranks and if it continues i'm not going to be afraid to keep that arrow pointing up so I'm holding him. If I have him, I just want to ride this ascendance that I think is coming. And I am going to send an offer for him in every league that I don't have him as soon as he has a bad game, because I think this is real. Uh, man. And like I've said all off season, like he's, he's been doing this for so long. He's been, no, he hasn't. He's been this expectation. Hold on, hold on. He's been this expectation of just like he, he can be this guy. He he can be 
what he was drafted to be. And Tarek, no, you're absolutely right. What he's done this year is different. And like for a guy that's been punting on him this entire time, I'm actually trying to draw back and be like, what do I do? I've said he's bad. I've said he's bad since he's been in the league. And finally, he's being recognized. And finally, he's being targeted. And finally, he is legitimately the number two guy. Yeah, I mean, to Mitch's point, uh, Mike Williams has never really commanded this type of target share at all. So it does kind of force us as uh, dynasty players to kind of look at our process and figure out where we went wrong here. Because, I mean, I guess occasionally the fifth year breakout is going to happen Maybe it's like uh, the contract year breakout. Maybe it is the change in the coaching staff uh, that made a difference. Maybe it's just like the second year progression of Justin Herbert or like some combination of all those three like things together um, that are, you know, allowing him to take this next step. Because I agree with both you guys. I think it does look real. Uh, You know, they talked about the Michael Thomas role in the offense for Mike Williams. And by all accounts, that looks like what he's getting. Yeah, John, I'm, I want to throw it to you, but I also want to say like, if you look at his next gen stats, like the route tree, what they're charting, it's all over the place. Like before with Anthony Lynn, he was this glorified downfield deep threat, which was a horrible misuse. Like yeah. this is a big possession receiver and Lombardi is using him like that. And it's really exciting to me, John. I know you love Mike Williams. Give us the final word. Yeah. And I thought that I was the Mike Williams guy here. And then I look at her ranks. You've got him at 35 and I've got him at 37. So I'm just going to go ahead and move him up to 34. Right. Real quick here. <laughs> do it out of spite. Now, so this is this is everything to do with Justin Herbert, right? Last year, it didn't happen because Mike Williams just wasn't healthy enough. And now that Mike Williams is healthy, we're seeing it. Now, I think this continues to happen as long as he's healthy, but health has been an issue in his career. So he is in a contract year. I think that's motivating him. I know that's a narrative, uh, but I expect this to happen until he gets that contract. And then after that, who knows? But I think that as long as he's healthy and he's con- connected to Justin Herbert, this is going to continue to happen. That's my that's my expectation. The crazy thing is that he was healthy and connected to Justin Herbert all year last year. I, I he was not healthy all he last wasn't, year. He was he was he was banged up a lot last year, and, and a lot of it is because of the way they were using him. So I'm gonna I want to go beyond narrative here. The usage is the thing that yeah. we want to focus on here because not only is the usage varied and diverse and interesting. It's great because it's not forcing him to go down the field every play and jump up and fall from 30 feet up in the air and hurt himself on every play. Yes. So I, man, I, I I think this is real. I'm really excited about it. I, I, I'm sure you can, you can tell. And I will (laughs) say like one, one of the things that like I take away from this podcast and that I take away from just having this, these conversations with you guys is being just so low on a guy like Mike Williams being able to have this conversation with you guys and be like, you know what, man? Like, I guess the anomaly happens sometimes and you want to get ahead of that. And what yeah. we're saying is like, get ahead of it right now. Like, I look, I, I didn't expect to say, go get Mike Williams, but go, go get Mike Williams, man. Yeah. I mean, you're probably going to have to pay a lot because the person who has Mike Williams in your league was the one who, who was already the truth or yeah. I think. Or is still skeptical and they're looking at their last chance to sell out, man. Like this might be it. (laughs) Like it's possible. He's he's about to turn 27. So this is the age 27 breakout. But, uh, you know, we love to see it. All right, let's move on to our final game. And that is the Falcons losing at the Bucks. Falcons 
kept themselves in it for a while. Admirable performance, but ultimately the Bucks uh, beat them by 23 points. So not really. Uh, Bucks 48, Falcons 25. John, what you got? Wow! Don't the Falcons suck? That's how I made that. Uh, that's how I made the Giants call at halftime today. Falcons look terrible. But the big takeaway here for me is there's a three-headed monster in the Bucks wide receiver room. Um, but to me, there is no question in my mind that Godwin is the wide receiver that you want on your dynasty roster. Uh, Godwin is currently the wide receiver 13 in PPR formats, and he's coming off back-to-back games with a tight, uh, with a touchdown. Now, because it's a three-headed monster, some weeks will be off, some will be on, but he's playing on that franchise tag, and he's got a lot to prove. We just talk about Mike Williams and the narrative of the contract. Same thing with Godwin here. 98% snap rate in week one, 89% snap rate in week two. He's on the field almost all the time. He's already got an overall wide receiver to finish under his belt. TLG, this podcast, our consensus, wide receiver 12. But here's my question to Mitch and to Trey. Mitch, you've got him at 15. Trey, 14. Hmm. Tarek, good job. You got him at 11. But collectively, my question is, are we too low on Chris Watt Godwin going forward. So just looking at my ranks, uh, I've got Allen Robinson above Godwin. And I think it's fair to say at this point that, uh, you know, because of the age difference and A-Rob's usage over the first two weeks, I can move Godwin over A-Rob. So I'll move him up to 13 right now on the spot. All right, victory. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But uh, well, the problem is, like you mentioned, it's a three-headed monster. And I think you forgot the giant fourth fucking head rob gronkowski who has soaked up four touchdowns in the first two weeks like he's a very hard dude to ignore and in case you try to he'll remind you not to ignore the guy and mike evans like i said last week as well like he's gonna disappear at times then show up and be like oh right i'm mike evans i hope you enjoyed your fantasy week and that's just what he does and so like yeah, sure. We love Godwin. I love Godwin. I still have him. I have him at 15. I would happily move uh, Keenan Allen behind him, I guess, just yeah. because of Mike Williams. But like, I still have T. Higgins, Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin, DeAndre Hopkins. All those dudes are going to stay above him. I, I have him at wide receiver 11. And yeah, I mean, it's just a function of the 10 guys in front of him are incredible, right? And they are the undisputed alphas on their team. Whereas, you know, Chris Godwin, I do really love Chris Godwin. He's a wide receiver one for me. And I do think he has top five upside. I made a tweet about that before the season that I think he's got a clear path to getting back to that value. Um, but I, I, and I think he's going to be the most consistent of the three Bucks wide receivers throughout their tenure in Tampa Bay, as long as all three of them are there. Um, so I, I do agree that he's the wide receiver you want on your team. Um, but, you know, it's it, it's just the function of the of the 10 guys in front of him. It just makes it really hard for me to move him up. Well, we and the question is, where is he going to be? So presumably Gronk is gone next year. Brady's not under contract next year. Godwin might be on a different team next year. But if we were talking about the rumor that Godwin was going to the Chargers and he was connected with uh, Herbert right now, we'd be talking about Godwin as a top five guy. So that's within the... I don't know. I don't know. I, Keenan uh, Allen and Godwin splitting slot slot snaps. I'm not sure I like that, John. All right. Well, <laughs> you know. I'm just saying it's within the realm of possibility. And it's something we need to keep our eye on. I can't wait till he goes to the fucking Jets, dude. 
yeah, the jet or the lions or something like that. Oh, you know, it, it could, could happen. Know it. Yeah, it could. It could. But hey, um, Chris Godwin's great. So is Mike Evans. So is Rob Gronkowski. So is Antonio Brown. So it's it's going to be tough, but Chris Godwin will be the most consistent. You can hang your hat on that. All right, guys, that is going to do it. We had a little bit of a longer episode today, but we had a lot to talk about. The long so game. It was fun. The long game. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week with more long game. Peace. Adios. Later, guys. Love you guys.